1: to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And today, it is such an honor to welcome my guest, Jeannie Economos. She is the Pesticide Safety and Environmental Health Project Coordinator for the Farmworker Association of Florida, based in Apopka, Florida. I met Jeannie at the 33rd Annual National Pesticide Forum that was held in Orlando, Florida, April 17th and 18th of 2015, where she led a toxic tour of the Lake Apopka community of farm workers. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Lake Apopka and the travesty of pesticide abuse there, we're going to go into that, but know that we are speaking with a very well-qualified individual in that Jeannie has worked for more than 20 years on issues of the environment, environmental justice, indigenous, and immigrants' rights, labor, peace, and social justice. And from 1996 to 2001, she was the Lake Apopka Project Coordinator for the Farmworker Association of Florida, where she addressed the issues of job loss, displacement, and health problems of the farmworkers who had worked on Lake Apopka farms before they were closed in 1998. And she's also been working on a very interesting Lake Apopka Farmworkers Memorial Quilt Project to raise awareness about the impacts of pesticides on the former Lake Apopka Of farm workers. So, Jeannie, welcome. Thank you very much for
0: having me today.
1: Jeannie, I was so impressed with the tour that you gave us, and I clearly remember your t shirt where you were mentioning farm worker justice and the importance of thanking a farm worker every time we sit down to eat. So, tell me how you became involved in this farm worker justice work. Well, I've always been interested
0: in social justice and the environment and ever since I was in high school and, and even earlier than that. And I did some work on American Indian rights related to uranium mining, and then I worked for the Florida Coalition for Peace and Justice, and we did a walk for the earth on environmental justice in 1995 when I first met people at the Farm Worker Association of Florida. And I was so impressed with this organization that I volunteered and basically I just bugged them until they hired me. But to me, environmental justice is key because it marries social justice issues and environmental issues and it brings them both together. And to me, that's really key to so many of the issues in our world because environmental justice addresses exploitation and abuse of human resources, or basically people, and natural resources, meaning the environment. So this is my passion. And actually, I can't imagine doing anything else because I feel like I'm in the right place. And I love what I do. So I'm just really happy to have the opportunity to do this work. It really means so much to me.
1: So Jeannie, did you grow up in the Lake Apopka area?
0: I grew up in Orlando, which is about 30 minutes or about 25 miles from Lake Apopka itself and about 15 miles from Apopka. And interestingly, as a kid growing up, I really didn't know any of these issues. Right. Didn't even realize, I knew there were orange groves. This was pre-Disney World. Right. Um, I knew there were orange groves all over central Florida, but I'm ashamed to say that Even though I would see workers occasionally in the field and I was curious about them, I really didn't have any knowledge or background about it. And that also drives my passion because I'm learning more and more even now about the racism and discrimination of the minority communities, especially the African-American communities, in Central Florida when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And I was basically not aware of just how bad it was.
1: Well, to the average passerby, Lake Apopka looks like just another lovely lake in central Florida, and you'd have to really go on a tour with someone who knows the history of the region to know just how polluted the region is. And, of course, at the Beyond Pesticides meeting, we had an opportunity to learn about the reproductive failures that have occurred among the alligator population in the lake but thanks to you and the tour, we learned about the farm worker health travesties that have happened as a result of being exposed to all of the pesticides. So let's backtrack a little bit and tell me about what happened to Lake Apopka.
0: Before I do that, let me just say thank you for bringing this issue to your listeners because I think what's important for people to understand before I talk about Lake Apopka itself is that Lake Apopka is not a local issue.
1: Mm-hmm. That's What's right. What's
0: happening at Lake Apopka, what happened at Lake Apopka is specific to this community, but then it also has much broader implications for all of us. That's right. Both in terms of the food that we eat and the social justice treatment of farm workers and basically The underpinning of racism in our agricultural system. Absolutely. So so that being said, Lake Apopka to me is indicative of all those different issues and Lake Apopka is the most contaminated lake in Florida. It was the second largest lake in the state until the 1940s when the north shore of the lake about 20,000 acres of the lake that was wetlands and lake bottom was basically diked and dammed and drained to expose the bottom of the lake, which is muck soil, to grow crops. And so from the 1940s until 1998, that 20,000 acres produced corn, cabbage, carrots, cucumbers, radishes, all kinds of other vegetable crops and herbs. And it was a very, very rich agricultural area. And the Products from that area went all over the United States and all over the world. But to produce those crops, they didn't just grow themselves or harvest themselves. There were workers out there in the fields harvesting the corn, crawling on their hands and knees, cutting cabbage, digging radishes, and those are the forgotten people.
1: Mm -hmm. And they're largely people of color.
0: It was largely African Americans until the 1960s. There was, well, in the 1940s there were Filipinos. There were even some German prisoners of war. There were some Hispanics during the Bracero program. There were other waves, but it was mostly African Americans until about the 1980s when the demographics began to change and when the farms closed in 1998 or were shut down by the state. It was largely Hispanic, but basically it's low-income minority people that worked on the vegetable fields on Lake Apopka.
1: Now, why were the farms closed?
0: The farms were closed because Lake Apopka became to be an environmental mess. Part of the frustration that we have is that the visible part of Lake Apopka that was a problem was the massive algae blooms that covered the lake that were related to fertilizer and phosphorus runoff from the farms. Nobody except the Farm Worker Association and the Farm Workers were thinking about the pesticide problems, but Disney had come to this area and Lake Apopka not too far from Disney was an eyesore for this growing burgeoning community. And so the farms were shut down because environmental interests wanted to try to restore the north shore of the farmland to basically wetlands again to try and clean up the lake and make it good for birding, for sport fishing, and recreation. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I remember on the tour you had told us that during the 1950s it had been a premier bass fishing lake.
0: Correct. Uh, Lake Apopka was known worldwide for its tourism because It was such a great place to come and fish and for boating and for swimming, mostly for fishing. That began to decline in the 1960s when, again, the algae blooms started and the tourism around the lake began to collapse because the lake was in serious ecological decline.
1: Right. And you also mentioned that the Tower Chemical Company in 1979 had a spill of DDT into Lake Apopka. What happened after that?
0: So Lake Apopka is very large, and the north shore of the lake is where the farmland was. But at the south end of the lake is a place called Gordonex Springs, and that's the springs that is the headwaters for the lake. And the Tower Chemical Company was a place that produced and distributed pesticides. Mm. And there was a spill of DDT from the Tower Chemical Company into a holding pond that then went into the lake. That area now today is a Superfund site because it's so contaminated with pesticides. But what's key about the Tower Chemical Company is that in the 1980s, Dr. Lou Gillette, who was at that time a researcher at the University of Florida, he was doing alligator studies on Lake Apopka. And he found that the alligators on Lake Apopka had unusually low reproductive rates. Mm -hmm. But what was more disturbing than that was he found that the female alligators had high testosterone levels, male alligators had high estrogen levels, There were birth defects among the baby alligators. There were deformed reproductive organs. And Dr. Lou Gillette eventually made the connection between this pesticide spill at the Tower Chemical Company and these problems with the alligator population on Lake Apopka.
1: And you also mentioned that related to these agricultural chemical spills was the fact that there were over 1,000 white pelicans that had died as well as the fish kills.
0: In the 1980s is when Dr. Lou Gillette did his alligator studies, and it wasn't until 1998 that the farms were shut down by the state of Florida. Again, the state of Florida was unrelated to pesticides because they weren't even thinking about that. Right. So in 1998, the state of Florida bought out all the farmland, closed the farms, and then that fall they flooded the former farmlands to try and supposedly restore it to its natural state. And in the fall, birds migrate. And the north shore of Lake Apopka looked very inviting to all these birds migrating down south, and they landed on this newly flooded land. And when bird watchers were out there doing their Christmas bird count, they saw birds dying. It was one of the worst bird deaths in the history of the United States. The St. John's Water Management District originally tried to say it was a, a disease called Newcastle's disease, but eventually U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service officials determined that it was toxaphene, which is in the same class of chemicals as DDT, that toxaphene and other pesticides were the cause of the bird deaths on Lake Apopka.
1: And listeners, if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, and we are speaking with Jeannie Economos. She is the Pesticide Safety and Environmental Health Project Coordinator for the Farmworker Association of Florida, based in Apopka, Florida. And as you mentioned earlier, Jeannie, Lake Apopka is just one example of what's going on nationally with regard to the contamination of our beautiful wild spaces related to these agricultural chemicals. Now, one of the things that you did on the Toxic Lake Apopka Tour for us is that you introduced us to Linda Lee, who had been a farm worker During the time when the vegetable farms were in full production, she had been sprayed or exposed to herbicides, pesticides on a regular basis, and she explained how she had developed lupus, her daughter had developed lupus and actually passed away, and that these illnesses, these autoimmune diseases, diabetes, asthmatic conditions, many health-related concerns related to the use of pesticides are rampant in the community. And also the fact that it's a Superfund site makes me think that there are people still living in that community and they must still be exposed to some extent to these hazardous compounds. Is that correct?
0: There are actually two Superfund sites on Lake Apopka, the Tower Chemical Company site that um, we already discussed, and then there's one on the north shore of the lake. That was also the Drum Chemical Company, or it's called the Zellwood Superfund site, that's also contaminated with pesticides. I think what's one of the key points that's important to understand is that Linda Lee worked as a farm worker on the farms on Lake Apopka before DDT was banned. Mm -hmm. DDT is in a class of pesticides that are persistent organic pollutants and they bioaccumulate in the body not only was linda and and geraldine and and betty and others not only were they working when these persistent organic pollutant pesticides were still legal to be used but they also worked there before there were any regulations to protect farm workers from pesticides mm-hmm. so the african american community in the Apopka general area, northwest Orange County in central Florida, bear the brunt of the chemical burden of having worked on these farms on Lake Apopka. And we have seen chronic diseases among this community, and it doesn't just affect the farm workers themselves. It affects their children and their grandchildren. And we find that there's a high incidence of lupus in this community, Geraldine was not able to be on the toxic tour because she has congestive heart failure, lupus, and kidney failure, and she worked on the farms most of her life. Her mother worked on the farms, and three of her daughters have lupus in addition to herself. Something is not right here.
1: Yeah. And how helpful has the EPA been? I know that there was an attempted class action lawsuit, which failed, has the National Institutes of Health, has the EPA, have, they, have these governmental agencies stepped in to help compensate for some of the losses as if we could compensate for a, a lost life?
0: The simple answer is no. The state of Florida spent close to $120 million to buy the farms on Lake Apopka. They spent millions more to study the birds and the alligators, and they have spent nothing, nothing, to study the health of the farm workers. Mm-hmm. The only help, if you can say help, that the EPA did was we did get a small grant in 2004 and 5 from EPA to do a health survey of the farm workers, but it basically never, not, nothing was ever done with that survey mm-hmm. in terms of any kind of compensation or even acknowledgment there isn't even acknowledgement of the fact that this community was contaminated by pesticides. And that's very, very disturbing for the community. And that's why, as kind of an act of desperation, the community created the Lake Apopka Memorial Quilt Project to try Mm -hmm. and raise awareness and to keep their, their lives, their stories, and their legacy alive. So that they're not forgotten.
1: Well, I want to talk about the Quilt Project, but before we get there, I just want to let our listeners know, and you'll need to correct me if I'm wrong, I took copious amounts of notes on the tour. But I want our listeners to know that it's my understanding that the governor of Florida vetoed health care for farm workers when that when that issue came up to the legislation. Is that can you describe a little bit about what happened in terms of here is this population of former farm workers who are suffering, as you mentioned, lupus, high rates of lupus, asthma, diabetes, cancer, learning disabilities. And how are they being compensated, or what about health care for the families? Was there a motion to get some kind of care that was vetoed then?
0: Well, it's a very long story, but to try and make it short, after many years of trying all different kinds of things, to try and and get some help for the community, and as I mentioned before, even just some acknowledgement of their concerns, I can't remember the years, but Senator Gary Siplin, two years in a row, put an item in the state legislation, and appropriations of $500,000 to the local clinic, which isn't a lot of money considering the population, but he did put in appropriations in two years in a row for a mere $500,000 to help address these concerns of the community. And two years in a row it passed a very conservative state legislature, which in itself is a big deal, Mm -hmm. and then two years in a row the governor of Florida vetoed the legislation.
1: That seems criminal to me. But I think that raising awareness about this issue Maybe we can put some pressure on lawmakers to help protect people not only from becoming ill in the first place, but also providing them with some level of basic health care after they do become ill. And perhaps holding the companies who produce these toxic compounds accountable. I don't know, that's just, that would just be a dream of mine. But I want to just restate something that you said on the tour, and that was every time a farm worker dies, their story goes with them and hence the birth of the Quilt Project. So tell me a little bit about the project and what you hope to accomplish with that.
0: Well, the Quilt Project, again, came about because the community felt like we had tried just about everything else we could think of. Three times we approached law firms to try and do a class action lawsuit, but it didn't even get off the ground for very complicated reasons because The farm workers are exposed to so many different kinds of pesticides, it's hard to prove cause and effect because they have so many exposures over a long period of time and the diseases come, you know, many years later. Right. We tried to get funding three times to do scientific health studies of the farm workers where we would do blood tests, et cetera, and three times we did not get the funding. Our proposals were rejected to do that. We tried state legislation, as we just discussed. We tried just about everything that we could think of. And Linda, Geraldine were coming to to me and saying, you know, we're going to funerals every weekend, sometimes as many as 10 funerals in one weekend of former Lake Apopka farm workers that are dying. And even if we get anything now, even if we got money now, they're gone. And so that's when the idea of the quilt project came up. It was to capture as well as we could. It's definitely not adequate enough, but it's a way to recognize the lives and the stories, to give humanity to the farm workers that worked on the farms on Lake Apopka, to keep their legacy alive. Because if nothing else, we don't want Lake Apopka not only for the community now but for future generations and for the broader community, we don't make, want Lake Apopka's story to just get shoved under the rug. Mm-hmm. Now I think there's a strong message there, and the quilt is a way to capture those stories, keep those people alive through the quilt project, and to send that message to others.
1: Now, are you exhibiting the quilt then in communities in the Lake Apopka area and beyond?
0: The quilt, actually, I just picked up the quilt yesterday. It was at the Orange County Regional History Center for the past three months in conjunction with a traveling exhibit. We're very excited about that, and your listeners should check that out. There's a traveling exhibit called And Still We Rise, which is quilts by African Americans about African American history and civil rights. So right now the quilts are not on exhibit, but we're always looking for more places to exhibit the quilt. And we want to take it beyond just Central Florida because, again, we feel like the message of the quilts is much bigger than just Lake Apopka. It has to do with the treatment of farm workers in general. It has to do with the issues of pesticides and environmental contamination. And it has to do with the underpinnings of racism in the agricultural system. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that that message gets out with the quilts, and we we do hope that they can be exhibited in, in more places beyond just central Florida.
1: Well, I think the great irony of Lake Apopka is that it is in Disney's backyard, and there is such a drastic contrast between... What people might think of Florida, you know, the the beautiful beaches and Disney World and golfing and this great weather. And then you've got this pocket of damage that I think needs to be raised up, as you say, to raise awareness. The other piece that needs to be, I think, lifted up, as you so rightfully say, is how we see farm work. And I think that for all of us who sit down and enjoy a meal three times a day, it's so important for us to think about the farmer's hands that harvested that food and toiled in those fields. And I like the way you had described on the tour about how how we want to help people see farm work, and that is with the dignity that it deserves.
0: When I first started working at the Farm Worker Association, I was talking like about the importance of helping farm workers to get better education and helping them have other opportunities. And my boss said something that has stayed with me and that really made a huge difference in my thinking. He said, that's not the point. The point is that we need to acknowledge farm work for the important role that it plays in our culture, and we need to lift it up as a valid job why should we look at farm work as any less dignified, less important than being in, uh, in intel, you know, or, or being a construction worker or being anything else? It's, it should be a dignified job that we give enough credit to, that we honor, give respect to, that is well paid, well compensated, that has benefits. Rather than lifting farm workers out of farm work, we need to lift up agriculture and lift up farm work and give it the dignity, respect, and the place in our society that it deserves. And that includes giving all that respect and dignity and honor. I'll use the word honor. I think we need to honor farm workers.
1: I agree. One of the things both you and Linda spoke about on the tour was that people think that farm labor is unskilled. And then you said, you try it. You know, it's, it's, there is an art to farm work.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I was at a meeting two weeks ago, and at the end of the meeting they gave us a little bag of blueberries. And so I've been eating blueberries for the past week and a half, and every time I eat a blueberry, I remember how hard it is to pick blueberries. It's very hard, because you you can't pick them when they're too small, or you can't pick them when they're too big, and you have to pick them so that you don't tear the skin of the blueberry. It's very hard work. You have to know how to do it without getting all scratched up, and the same thing with oranges, the same thing with anything else. It might seem like unskilled work, but it is very difficult work, and you really need to know how to do it, and farm workers that do this work begin to learn all kinds of things that we can't imagine, you know, the the moisture on the plant, the heat of the plant, and how to twist it in the right way, and how to pick it, and the size of the plant that's important so that has the right sweetness or the right taste. So we just take our food for granted when we go to the grocery store and are completely oblivious to just what's involved, not just in terms of sun and rain and and planting, but the real skill that's involved in harvesting that food and getting it to us.
1: Well, Jeannie, I want to thank you so much for being my guest. I want to encourage our listeners to go to the floridafarmworkers.org website. There is also an blogspot.com, where you can learn more about the Quilt Project in particular. But the Florida Farm Workers website has a lot of information about issues beyond just what we've been talking about today. So you can learn about social justice. You can look at worker justice issues, the Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education Project, learn more about Lake Apopka, and so on. So Jeannie, again, we've been speaking with Jeannie Economos, Pesticide Safety and Environmental Health Project Coordinator for the Farm Worker Association of Florida based in Apopka, Florida. We met at the 33rd Annual National Pesticide Forum hosted by Beyond Pesticides in Orlando in April. Jeannie, thank you again for being my guest.
0: Thank you very, very much. And on behalf of the farm workers, they are the ones that really count. On behalf of them, I thank you.
1: Thank you. And in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us, and I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri.